Peter had made the great confession just six days before. In answer to Jesus' question about who the disciples said Jesus is, Peter had answered, you are the Christ. Jesus strictly charged them not to tell anyone about what they knew about him. Then he began to teach them that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed, but that he will rise again after three days. There was no mistaking what he had said. They didn't like that. Peter took action. He took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Jesus turned and looked at all the disciples, and then he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. He also assured them, that some of those who were standing there with him would not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. So it was not an all gloomy speech. There was an extraordinary promise. And as if to fulfill that promise, he took Peter, James, and John after six days up that unnamed high mountain, just by themselves. The disciples had no idea what to expect. Perhaps it will be one of those times when Jesus took them just to go and pray. But then suddenly Jesus is transfigured before them. His clothes become dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. They had never seen him like this before. And then just as suddenly Elijah and Moses appeared and they were talking with Jesus. It was so sudden and so terrifying, I'm surprised that they didn't have a heart attack. Peter managed to say something. From what we know about him, that is not so surprising. He said, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Mark tells us that Peter said this because he did not know what to say. The disciples saw Jesus transfigured, and they recognized Elijah and Moses. Have you ever wondered how the three disciples managed to recognize Elijah and Moses? Moses, he died on Mount Sinai more than 1,400 years before they were born. Unless somebody drew a portrait of him and it was preserved, they would not have known how he looked like. Elijah was taken up to heaven more than 800 years before any of them was born. There were no cameras then, Elijah had not taken a selfie and saved it up somewhere. They did not know how they looked like, let alone how they sounded like. And yet, the disciples recognized these two Old Testament greats instantly. How could that be? That day, in that brief moment, God gave the disciples another miracle, in addition to them seeing Jesus in the splendor of his transfiguration. And God spoke to them directly concerning Jesus. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Perhaps they were having doubt that this Jesus was the son of God just as Peter had confessed because he had told them that he must suffer many things and be killed. If that was the case, then that testimony from God the Father should put their doubts to rest. 
But Peter wanted to stay up there. James and John, did they want to go down from that mountain? I doubt it, even though they did not say anything. If I were there with them, I would love to stay there too. It was a safe place. No opposition, no having to deal with the negativity of other people, no worries, no trouble, no pain, just us with God and his son and with these two great men of his from the Old Testament. Now that I've said that and think about it, I believe you would like to stay to stay too if you were with them. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Peter spoke for us, but he was wrong, and we will be wrong too. It will get better than that. As soon as God said the words, this is my son whom I love, listen to him, Elijah and Moses disappeared. Only the disciples and Jesus were left. Jesus asked them not to tell anyone until he had risen from the dead. Jesus had not changed his revelation to them. What he had said must happen will happen. They had to go down the mountain and continue following Jesus and learning how to fish for people. Without doubt, this mountaintop experience of the disciples remained with them throughout their lives. With Mark recording it, we know that they shared that experience after Jesus rose again from the dead. Peter, in fact, wrote about it in his second letter. In that letter, written to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with that of the apostles by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, he stated, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, for we were there with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word made more fully confirmed, to which you will do, you will pay attention as to a lamb shining in a dark place. Peter wanted them to know that. Yet what he really wanted them to pay attention to was the word more fully confirmed. Jesus wanted only the three of them to see his transfiguration. And he did not want them to go bragging that they were super special apostles. He gave them a special glimpse of his true identity. But since he wasn't going to reveal that side of him to the rest of the world, they would have to rely on his prophetic word. That is available to all, not just to a select few. That prophetic word is the teaching of Jesus Christ, the same Jesus of the transfiguration. Brothers and sisters, you have obtained a faith of equal standing to Peter, James, and John, and the other apostles. Just think about it. You have obtained a faith of equal standing to the apostles. Why? Because it is the same Jesus who has given that same faith to you. Yes, we may picture the transfiguration of Jesus and contemplate it for a little bit. We may figuratively be there with them. But just as they had to come down from that high mountain, we too do not need to stay there because Jesus does not want us to. He wants us to come down into the real world 
a world where there is sometimes loneliness and fear, failure and regret, sorrow and sickness, but also a world where we still have joy and peace and success, a world where we have loved ones and family and friends. He wants us to live in a world where his transfiguration has transformed our lives and our minds to have his mind, even if not perfect yet. The events that Jesus had predicted, that made them want him to change his mind to get him not to fulfill what God had planned all the way from the beginning of time would not change. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had agreed to what they desired and said, okay guys, I hear you, change your plans. You have a better plan than I did. I'm not going to subject myself to all the indignities that await me, all the pain and suffering, the tearing of my flesh, the hairline fractures that I will suffer as nails are driven through my hands and feet. You don't have to imagine that Jesus would have changed plans so he would not suffer, that he would not go to the cross. There was no way his plan was going to change. Without that plan and the execution of that plan, we would have no hope and no certainty of ever coming into the presence of God and be safe. Yes, we live in this world, and truth be told, sometimes we think and act like people of this world because we face open and subtle pressures to be just like every other human being, because after all, we are, well, just that, human beings. And it is difficult to be the odd ones out, not wanting to be stuck in ways of thinking that are not, not in line with current ways of thinking, and being at the receiving end of voices that may be in, the, in opposition to the voice of Jesus. The voice that came out of the cloud that day on the high mountain said, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. His teaching is from of old, but it is not old teaching. It was relevant then, it is relevant today, it will be relevant tomorrow, it is timeless. Yes, we may find new ways of applying it, but that shouldn't change the teaching. He did not give something that was temporary, but permanent. The voice of God the Father that came in the cloud was firm. It left no room to listen to any other person other than Jesus Christ alone. This is my son whom I love, listen to him. So we must learn to recognize the voice of Jesus. I know, I know, his voice is not on tape. How are you going to recognize his voice and differentiate it from the voices of other people? It is simple, really, and it is not surprising that it is. Every word we read from the Bible is Jesus' voice. We do not need to limit ourselves to the words in red, in red-letter Bibles. For all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. There are many voices in this world claiming to be something or able to do something special for us. Sometimes they can be quite convincing. The problem is that they often contradict the voice of Jesus as revealed to us in the Bible. So if you hear the voices of influential people of this world, listen, but listen with discernment. It has pleased God to reveal the voice of Jesus to you in the Bible. So listen to him alone. For as you do so, you are listening to what is most sure and true for now and for all time, for his words will never pass away. He is true God, confirmed by his transfiguration and confirmed by the voice in the cloud, the voice of God the Father. Jesus Christ is your Savior and mine. To him alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.